episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Reboot Season 1, Episode 3, All. All of it. All of it. The whole thing. <laughs> We're talking about the whole episode today. Yep. The original air date for this episode is October 7th, 2016. Today, for us... Yesterday for you, if you're an avid listener. Uh, it was directed by Matt Earl Beasley, mm-hmm. uh, who's done a lot of one-offs on newer TV shows. Yeah, a lot, a lot of credits on, on yeah. his page. Um, he did second unit on some cool comedies, uh, including Wayne's World 2, and one of my favorite comedies, Braveheart, um, <laughs> and also the movie Chain Reaction with... Uh, Oh, you know, Keanu like Reeves, Keanu Reeves? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. trying to outrun the explosion. That was, that was um, good. That was an okay movie. And he was also a uh, second unit director on Black Sheep. Um, but he has some cool uh, assistant director credits also, including 29 episodes of CSI, which might be where uh, he connected with Eads to show up on, on the set mm-hmm. of this show. Um, he was also an AD on Beverly Hillbillies, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Big Trouble in Little China. Ah. So that's fun. Um, this episode was written by David Slack, who uh, has written a lot of Teen Titan episodes, yeah. specifically 19 of the new series and 16 of the original. Yeah, he, he's also, he was also the EP on that show. And he also wrote a Gravity Falls episode. Yeah. And uh, he's written like 16, or no, I have, sorry, 11 episodes of uh, Person of Interest. Uh, and he was like the executive producer of Lie to Me. It's like he's he's all over the map, and I gotta say he he does not live up to his name. I I don't think he was slacking on this episode. No. Um, I also noticed, uh, and I looked back, and it was there were they were there last week too, but they weren't there for the pilot. Um, that there are story editor credits. Right. Sometimes there are. That was the same way on the original series. Sometimes there were story editor yeah. credits, and sometimes yeah. There and I was looking these because these two guys uh, have been in both uh, episodes two and three. Uh, Brett, no, sorry, I'm gonna. Vanden Vandenboss okay. and Brandon Willer. Um, and they must be a team because uh, they both worked on a show called Hunters and another show called King and Maxwell, which I've heard of neither of these shows, but King and Maxwell starred Rebecca Romaine. Oh, okay. uh, and then they both worked heavily on both of those shows. Cool. Um, the uh, Why don't we describe the episode in brief first? Well, in this episode, uh, the Phoenix Foundation is going after a uh, mercenary group uh, known as Division 77, and the, the only way that they're going to be able to find them is if they take down uh, the one who's managing their money. Right. That's, that's their that's their end. Right. And we start the episode... Um, have an opening gambit. Yeah, we have an opening gambit. We, we open in Somalia with uh, MacGyver and Jack running through a um, building. Yeah, which apparently Mac had set on fire. Right. Uh, bad CG fire. Yeah, it's... Eh. I mean, they're not even, like, pretending to be, like, suffering from Yeah, they're not, like, trying inhalation. to keep away from the flames. It's just kind of, like... Because they don't know what they are. right over flames because yeah. you don't feel the heat from them. Because they're not real. Because they're not there. Because they have the, the same thing with Darkman, where they had all their pain receptors cut off. Right. Uh... Uh, there's a weird cutaway to the Phoenix Foundation where they say, oh, yeah, we just called in a drone strike. On and, some other building. Yeah, I thought it was like, oh, it's going to be at their building, so yeah, they need to they get out. they have to get out of here real quick? No. Oh, no, they just blew up another unrelated other, building. It's okay. Um, I'm sure it was a very bad building right. that they blew up. And then there's something that they were supposed to collect from this building that I wasn't clear what the asset was. 
I wasn't sure either. The only thing I know about is that the other building was a chemical weapon. So I imagine whatever they needed here would be related to chemical weapons. Yeah, and it was something they were supposed to collect and Riley's um, in the earpieces and they say, well, I don't think this one's going to do us any good because when he opens the box that whatever they're supposed to collect was in, mm -hmm. there's just flames inside. Oh. <laughs> and then she says, oh, okay, well, you got to get out of that building now. Yeah. And I can tell you that there's there's a, a window down, like three doors down to the left, but uh, there's a catch and you're not going to like it. And then they go to the window because apparently this is the only way out of the building. Yeah. And they look down on, you know, three stories down. It's just a parking lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's quite a drop. Yeah. Um, and I also like that they have to be told where a window is. Right. They're like, okay, like, not... Can you just walk over and kick open the door? If there's a window, you'll notice it right away. There will be one in every room on this side of the building. Because, <laughs> like, they originally asked for a stairway exit. And it's like, right. okay, I can maybe usually... I would say 90% of building stairways are usually at an end of a hallway. Yeah. So that's where I would look first. Yeah. But maybe you're in a hurry. You don't want to waste time. But yeah. you, but clearly they passed windows on the way to the stairs. Yeah. They know where that there yeah, there's are windows. There's light in this room. That's yeah. not just from the flames. I just thought it was weird that she led them. She had to lead them to a window. Yeah. Um, but so they look out over the edge and she says, well, there's a catch. And then MacGyver looks out and he says, that's one hell of a catch or something like that, mm -hmm. which I thought it might've been funny if he'd have been like, I don't see a catch. <laughs> like, What's going to catch us here? Um, but then, so he starts MacGyvering away for them to jump out of this building to mm -hmm. just a concrete parking lot without dying. Um, and what he comes up with is to take fire extinguishers out of, uh, two nearby rooms. And instead of using them to put out the fire that they're trying to escape, <laughs> um, they collect a couple of uh, body bags, which they wrap around themselves like mm -hmm. heat blankets, and uh, and basically tuck the nozzle of the fire extinguisher into. And then they jump off the building backwards, and on the way down, inflate the body bag with the fire extinguisher. Right. Um, which is it, uh, it's a, it's a foam extinguisher, so it's not a it's not a gas extinguisher. Right. So it fills the bag up in a semi-permanent way, mm -hmm. which leads me to the point that they could have filled them up before they jumped. Yeah. Like, they didn't have to wait until they were halfway down. It's kind of like when uh, MacGyver and Pete were on that thing, and he was just like, okay, I'm going to tell you when to duck since you can't see. Okay, don't duck right now. Don't duck right now. Okay, duck. We're going under a plane wing. Uh, this is grasping at a straw, but the only... They were worried it was going to leak out? Well, my, my concern would be that your weight would be greater and your center of mass would want to flip it over. So at least falling out the window would keep it wrapped around your body as you inflated it. Oh, so maybe. it would tend to want to conform around your body versus just being a sack that if you fall out, it might slip out of your out of your body shape. Yeah, like if they'd have jumped out with like a beanbag chair, it might have just drifted away from them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's, I'll allow it. That, that, that's not a real answer. It's just... My best guess. Either way, this was another like two minute opening gambit. Yeah, we don't know what was. They blew up a building and they burned down another building. Yeah. That's all we know. And they jumped out of a window. But if there's like people on their tail that are the reason that they were in such a hurry, then they shouldn't have just been like cuddling their fire extinguishers in this parking lot. Mm -hmm. Like they should have been getting up and running immediately. Yeah, because if, if this was some kind of top secret facility where they needed to get something, there's no one here. Right. So, uh, and there's no one outside waiting for them. There's no fire. I mean, it is Somalia, so maybe they're not, there's no fire department, but I don't know. Um, yeah, Somalia notoriously has no fire department. Sorry if I'm offending our Somali listeners. They stopped listening a long time ago. We've, 
we've offended them enough. <laughs> Um, with all our discussions of actually i think we've been an advocate for somali pirates on this <laughs> podcast before uh saying that the blame is not theirs that it's usually oh, that's the true, people yeah. controlling them yeah yeah i mean they're, they're, they are puppets they're, they're kept in in liquor and drugs that's really not gonna score meager. any points calling them puppets either yeah i'm yeah. sorry somali pirates keep listening to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoy it um but yeah, and so then we cut back stateside. We're in uh, Patricia's office, I think, watching a slideshow on. Uh, well, uh, the the uh, the first after the credits, we we are at with, MacGyver's with house. G- okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with with Wilt Bozer, where he needs MacGyver to do some motion capture, so he just sticks a couple of uh, ping pong balls to his face. Yeah, he's still doing this uh, this film for this cell phone contest. Seems like it's the. Time should have been up already on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, MacGyver walks in and he just runs up with ping pong balls covered in glue and sticks them to his face. And he says, oh, it's motion capture. We're going to CGI a monster in. Mm-hmm. You're going to play the monster. MacGyver's like, uh, I thought it was going to play the general. And he's yeah. like, yeah, you're both now. Didn't you read the 17th version of the script? Yeah. The the monster takes over the general. So now you're the monster in the general's body. Um, but then he immediately gets a call and can't do the film because he has to go back to work. Yeah. So... What was the point of even coming home? I don't know. I guess just to let you know that Wilt Bozer... To remind you that he's making a movie with a cell phone. But here's my question. If you're going to take over the general's body, why would you look like a monster? Shouldn't you still look like a general? Like, isn't the whole point of taking over a general's body that you can dictate orders as the general? You're not going to fool anybody if you have green, lumpy skin. I I thought it was that he ate the general. But he's wearing his uniform. That's true. Well, then... <laughs> Maybe he was just cold. <laughs> After he ate the general, he was You like, look different, general. It's like, it put it, on it, these wrappers. It, it, it actually reminds me of the Walking Dead episode of MacGyver. He's like, that doesn't sound like the colonel, but I'm going to let him, him out. keep talking. <laughs> 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 he, he kind of looks like him, I guess. He's making some valid points. <laughs> you don't know what this movie's like yet. <laughs> wait, wait, we, we'll fix it in post... It's going to be great. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, now he's back to work in Patricia's office. Well, oh, no, no. Now, are we for, back? Now, now are we at the cemetery? Now we're at the graveyard, yeah. Okay. Uh, where we have Jack talking to his father, and we we all immediately know that he's in a graveyard. Yeah, because he's just leaning on what can only be a headstone. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, like, just basically recounting the last adventure as MacGyver comes in. And uh, apparently this is, like... Routine for him. Yeah, Yeah. he meets Jack at the graveyard because Jack imparts his day to his father's grave and does a. Eads does all the emotion for every episode. Yeah. He's the only one with an emotional center. Yeah. And. uh, I want to spin this off into just a show of him talking to his dad's headstone. It's just called, like, the Tombstone Diaries. Yeah. Like, we don't get to see the crazy adventure he has. We just hear him tell it. I've heard more than one person say that Eads should have been. Jack Dalton, and that it would have been interesting to have Lucas Tilby, or that Eads should have been yeah. MacGyver and have Lucas Tilby, the Jack Dalton, like like a young kid that he's trying to rein yeah, in all the but, time. Yeah, but who's also a loose cannon. Yeah. I, I think that that really could have worked, uh, because uh, I'm not, not totally on board here yet. Yeah. I want to be. I really do. Just not there yet. Yes. Um, now I have no idea where we cut to from here. Oh, well... We're still talking with dads here, <laughs> right? Because now we get a bit of information here 
that the last we heard from this new series was that MacGyver's father walked out on his family. When he was 12. Yeah. So I assumed they didn't know where he was. But apparently, they know exactly where he is. Yeah. And they're just not reaching out to him? Yeah. Like, MacGyver's not reaching out to him. And I guess we'll assume that his dad isn't reaching out to MacGyver? I think it's safe to assume right now that his dad is intended to be Richard Dean Anderson. And they're basically writing this subplot into the episode to be like, well... You know, you really should reach out to Richard Dean Anderson and ask him to be on this show. Like, that's essentially what he's yeah. saying to him. But uh, that's never going to happen, probably. Yeah. Unless the show... I could. If if this show does well and they get a bigger budget next year and... They and throw it all at Richard Dean Anderson. They throw 100% of it at Richard Dean Anderson. Uh, so now from here is where we go to the Phoenix Foundation. Right. And we're introduced to today's mission. Division 77. And we have another bowl of, uh, of yeah, delicious uh, paper clips. <laughs> and MacGyver, once again, starts... Dipping into it to start his his, uh, his origami. Yeah. What is, it? is it origami if it's paper clips? I don't know what you would call that. Yeah. It's origami, because metal comes from ore. <laughs> oh, what? You know what? That's not... Coined it. Really? Coined the phrase. I get some points there? Origami. Okay. I love right, it. I'll take them. Uh, so, uh, Division 77 is a group of mercenaries for hire. They're, they're basically all over the map, they, but they can't find out who they are because they're so well protected. So, what, I can also say pretty safely right now that Division 77 will not occur in any other episodes. I know. <laughs> they, they pick up and drop villains so quickly, and they're so uninteresting that I can guarantee you we'll never hear about Division 77 again. Yeah. Um... They really, that's what they need to do. They haven't set up like a major threat. The closest yet. thing to a big bad is Nikki Carpenter. Yeah. Which I still kind of expect what what you're fearing, which is that she's gonna come back and try and redeem herself. Yeah. And but there was nothing about her in this episode. Yeah. Like yeah, they, yeah, actually she didn't even get a mention. Yeah. Um, so since they can't find Division seventy seven directly, they're gonna go after their financing. Right. So they we see uh, a young man, Ralph. Uh, d- d- didn't get his last name. Uh, the the character's name is Ralph Castrati. Ah. As soon as the picture comes up, I already knew where they were going with this character. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because the first thing after the picture comes up, uh, Eads says, "I want to punch this guy in the face." Yeah, I just want to punch this guy in the face. That's a, such a punchable face. There's a very well known subreddit. For, for all the Redditors out there, called Punchable Faces. Um, and this guy was made regular appearances uh, in the form of the, the, the real-life person named Martin Screlly. Mm. And I was already certain from when Jack Dalton first said, I totally want to punch this guy in the face, that this is going to be the Martin Screlly character for yeah. the episode. Which, it, honestly, it bothers me a little bit that they wrote a character based on Martin Screlly because Martin Screlly is basically what uh, wrestling fans would call a heel. Yeah. He loves it when people criticize him and he does everything for publicity. And so no such thing as bad press. Even if you think you're making fun of him in this MacGyver episode, he watches it and he goes, Hey, they wrote a whole MacGyver episode about me. How cool am I? So I'm sure that's how he feels tonight. Um, But they, they make it clearer and clearer over the course of the episode that it's definitely supposed to be Martin. Yeah. Um, He's played by a, uh, Oliver Cooper. 
Right. Who uh, I I knew from uh, Project X. I don't know that. Uh, not to be confused with the Matthew Broderick, uh, Helen Hunt Project X. I don't know that one either. <laughs> well, the more interesting is the Matthew Broderick, Helen Hunt, uh, where they are training monkeys to fly rockets and disarm nuclear weapons. Um and to see how Monkeys much disarm nuclear weapons? Yeah, they're training to see how much radiation they can handle. So if, probably about the same as the person, right? Well that's the theory. Like like should should there be a nuclear attack, could apes still fly a mission? This is the subject of this movie. Oh but God. um Matthew Broderick it sounds like uh Day of the Dolphin, where they're training dolphins to kill the president. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So, like, Helen Hunt wants to save the chimps, and Matthew Broderick slowly comes to realize that, that yeah, exposing chimps to radiation is wrong. Uh, <laughs> After hours of deliberation, he comes to the conclusion that uh, irradiating apes is, a, is probably Morally a wrong. crappy thing to do. Yeah. So, um, but the Project X that this guy was in was all about, like, these, like, uh, high school kids, like, last last big huge party before they go oh, to college. okay. It was like a viral video thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he plays one of the main the main kids who's, like, trying to get uh, all kinds of uh, drugs from this guy. From, uh, and, like, it, it's kind of funny because it goes horribly wrong, and they steal this guy's, like, garden gnome. And they think, because, like, like, oh, because we didn't get the drugs, so I stole his garden gnome. But it turns out that the garden gnome was his stash of, like, uh, uh, of uh, ecstasy. Yeah. And so he's he's constantly chasing after them, trying to get it back. <laughs> and um, they're just like, man, this guy really loves his garden gnome. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's he was also in Joe Dante's uh, Burying the X, which I only brought up just because oh, okay. Joe Dante. Joe Dante will be showing up next week as our director. Yeah. Uh, there's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Like I had, I had a character named here as a receptionist, and it took me a second to figure out who that oh, yeah. was. Oh uh, yeah, Riley bothers. So um, yeah, so this gentleman is hiding out in Malaysia. He's because he's wanted by the U.S. government for uh, five hundred plus uh, securities exchange commission charges that he's avoiding. Right, which is the is the second I would say or third of uh, the blatant references to Martin Scully because. Uh, uh, Mr. Screlly in December of 2015 was arrested by the FBI after being indicted on federal charges of securities fraud. But he's currently on parole and oh, not, good. not facing the charges. Um, yeah. Good for him. So, yeah. Great guy. Uh, so we do this kind of interesting transition where they have the uh, – the current FBI file photo for this gentleman. Yeah. Who's like, which is like a selfie. Yeah. And we transition from the selfie on the screen to an enlarged, like print of five, that photo yeah, in his like, house, like a five foot by five foot image of that selfie in his house. And he's on the phone with some guy spouting off, uh, bro, bro, bro phrases. Like, yeah. dude, I'm so money. It's just, uh, I you know I brush my teeth with caviar and champagne. It's it's, it's pretty just rough. utter nonsense. And uh, MacGyver and the team have tracked him down, and they're watching him from the van outside. He's like, "Yeah, they have no idea I'm here." And then we cut to Riley with her standard like, "Yeah, we have no idea you're here, except for we've got cameras all over the place, and we're watching you like a hawk from our vans." It's like clever response. Who are you talking to, Riley? Uh. 
they're very uh, concerned about his security system. Uh, Which looks like a garden variety, like, home security yeah. box. He, he's only got a four-digit combination. Yeah. Even Thomas Crown in the Pierce Brothers of Thomas Crown had a ten-digit combination. And it's not even hardwired to his house. It's connected to his Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand. Like, why did MacGyver pretend like this was, like, some heavy-duty security system when it looks like he just, like, got it at, like, CVS on his way home from work? And, like, they keep saying things like Wi-Fi as if it's, like, because it's the future. Yeah. It's, you know... We had that problem with like, oh, we hacked into these security cameras through their Wi-Fi. It's like that's because that's why they wouldn't be on Wi-Fi. Yeah, they would be on closed circuit. Yeah. Uh, so you so, couldn't. So with this thing, yeah, a decent security system is almost inherently hardwired to your house. Uh, but luckily, MacGyver is able to disrupt it by taking Wi-Fi chips from laptops and then putting them in a and soda can and taping them all to the inside of an aluminum soda can. Which he then curves out like a like a satellite to use it like he's pointing a ray of Wi-Fi mm. at the house, which, as it, far as I know, would not work. I've I've read online that you can use a soda can to enhance your own Wi-Fi signal. Mm. So maybe they're implying that he's blasting it with competing Wi-Fi signals, right. and somehow the security system is forgetting the one that it's already synced to. Well, I mean, there is there is such a thing as if if. There's this Wi-Fi is too strong from something else. Well, uh, like you know, for example, like you know, not to give you away, I'll, I'll use my reference here is like I have a house. My house is in a neighborhood full of other houses that are like side by side and across yeah. the street. We all have Wi-Fi in our house. Yeah. Um, and Wi-Fi only operates on twelve different approved frequencies, at least on like uh, for the the two point four gigahertz band. So you shouldn't band. be able to see more than twelve. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they operate on these certain frequencies to pick up, and then there's the five gigahertz band. It also operates on like a like a couple like dozen frequencies. Okay. Now the trick is you don't want to be on the same frequency as your neighbor because it creates noise, noise that your that your router has to try to filter out. Okay. So you want to try to scan your area, your neighborhood, and there's actually utilities on on Max that will scan all the Wi-Fi signals and tell you what channels and tell you they're what using. Unique one you should be using. Exactly. Okay. So if he's bombarding it with uh, the same channel as his current Wi-Fi. But he'd have to know that first, right? But I mean, I guess he could use this thing that you're talking about. But like about. I said, like I can scan your whole neighborhood right now and get the channel that everyone's operating on. Now, I can't get into their networks. But, but you, can, you can tell where, like, what their internet looks like so that if you wanted to disrupt that specific channel. Exactly. I could jam that. that specific channel and, then, okay. and totally muck up their Wi-Fi. All right. Then I'll buy that, but I don't buy that this security system is connected to his Wi-Fi. I don't buy that either. But it is, and it works, and yeah. he has to go and put it in his precious four-digit code yeah. to uh, shut it off. Yeah, And, and then, doesn't think anything's wrong, by the way. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, 99% of security systems going off is because like someone forgot to close the door completely or something. I don't know. I just caused a bunch of our listeners to get broken into. Yeah. Also, why is his security system set while he's home? Yeah. Yeah, well, is that normal? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a security system. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I have five different security systems. But seriously, though, uh, what is your address? <laughs> um, is that? I, I mean, I don't know. Like, if, if do you do you leave it on when you're home? Maybe you do. I know. I know. Like people, like they put it on before they go to bed. But that's because you're putting yourself into a room where you're not going to be moving from. 
I mean, my security system is all like armed guards, so I don't really know. Armed guards? Yeah. <laughs> De what? <laughs> I said armed. What did you say? Darped. <laughs> I was making a pretty obscure Futurama reference. <laughs> I don't know that one. Where they're at the Slurm factory, and it's supposed to be like the Grunkalungas, like the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. And they keep rhyming to the things that they're seeing, and they're trying to avoid. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like armed guards. Yeah. What about, what about those armed guards? Drunk a lunk a dunkity, armed guards. <laughs> no, we actually have uh, highly trained dolphins all around the house. Yeah. Oh, you just gotta keep them wet. That's the only thing. Yeah. They love their PCP. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we right now <laughs> uh, in this episode? Uh, Richard also loves this PC. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> I, just, I just really want to bite your face off. <laughs> I don't know why. You have a biteable face. Anyone ever tell you that? <laughs> it looks delicious. <laughs> it's uh, a creepier subreddit than it should be. Uh, so with the security system disrupted, uh, what's his face? Ralph is forced to re-enter the code which they are able to see since he literally lives in a glass house. Right. And once they get the code, they just wait for him to go to sleep, and then they barge in and wake they him up anyway. They barge in and wake him up. <laughs> it's like, why do we need to get the security code if we get to just kick the door in and woke yeah. him up? Um, they, get, they grab his computers. MacGyver punches him in the face. Uh, and while they're making their way out to... They haven't arrested him, but they're taking him back. When to the he's US. first freaking out and running around, I think this is the scene. He says that he could pay them, he could repay them, or pay them to leave him alone by giving them a, a very rare Wu Tang album. Yeah, yeah. Which is a pretty clear reference to the fact that Martin Screlly paid two million dollars for a Wu Tang album that they only made one copy of and sold exclusively to him. Um, what? Yeah, it's. It's a very weird thing, but he's... Okay, so, hold on. They created one copy of the album Once Upon a Time in Shaolin and sold it to the highest bidder. Um, it's a single-sale collector's item. It's like having the scepter of an Egyptian king, they said. And then this guy bought it. And uh, there, there were like all these other weird rules. There, there's like a really big contract that goes into... Like, you can't distribute it? Or You're you not can't... allowed to distribute it. Um, they're allowed to take it back at any time and give you, you the money back. Like, hmm. there's, like, all these weird rules built into the contract that goes along with it. But he's the only person who has that album, so it's very clear that he's the one that they're talking about with this episode. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they chase him around his house. He, he tries to get to his, his collection of samurai swords, which are under a glass case. And he thinks he can punch into it. Yeah, and he just... Just can't. It's just bounce off, ricochets off like a bullet. Yeah. Um, so they grab him, they take him outside. Well, and first, first MacGyver knocks him out, and then uh, Jack is like, I have been saying nothing but how punchable his face is since yeah. this file photo first came up. Why did you punch him out? Like, we, there's, a, there's been a separation of duty here. You're supposed to, like, make things, and then I'm supposed to punch people. Yeah. You don't see me making bombs out of paper clips and chewing gum, do you? Yeah. Um, the moment they step outside, they are immediately open, open fire upon, and uh, Ralph takes a hit to the shoulder. Right. The only shot that hits any of them. Yeah. Because even though they're hiding behind easily identifiable cover, 
that has large gaps, and you just have to wait for them to pass through the gap. Yeah. And this is when I realized that the episode was uh, almost something of a reference to the X-Files episode Drive, uh, which is the one that uh, Brian Cranston showed up in. Mm-hmm. And it was actually written by, um, what's his name, Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vince Gilligan. There you go, Vince Gilligan. It, well, it, the episode was written by Vince Gilligan. I don't, I don't remember if he directed it. He might have also directed it. But then he remembered working with Brian Cranston right. on that episode and was like, I've always had you in mind for this other show. We should do this together. Because he wrote a couple of X-Files. Right, yeah. A lot of good ones. He also wrote the uh, the X-Cops one or whatever it was called, the X-Files Cops oh, episode. That episode is so good. It's so crazy. But two of his episodes start with like, you think you're watching a different show. And yeah. then it turns out, oh no, I'm actually watching X-Files. But, um, but yeah, he's like meta like that. But um, the point of the, the episode Drive... Uh, with Brian Cranston was that Brian Cranston was like this weird like anti-Semite guy yeah. that was like kind of like backwoods and like a dick to people, but he has this disease or this problem that's affecting his brain where if he doesn't keep driving in a certain direction, then his head's going to explode. Right. And we see it happen to his wife at the beginning of the episode, so we know the danger is there. Um, and Mulder somehow gets stuck in the car with him mm-hmm. driving around, but the whole point of the episode is like. They're working so hard to save this guy's life, and is it even worth it since he's being such a jerk about everything? Yeah. And it's like, is is an ideology enough reason to like totally like neglect a person's well-being? And so that's kind of what happens to this Ralph character for the rest of the episode. It's like, okay, he took a bad shot, and we need, like, we need to work desperately to keep this guy alive, even though he's the worst person we could think of. Yeah, because he's got the information that they yeah. need. Uh, so that really is the only reason they need to keep him alive. Yeah. It's a little different than drive then. Because in but, drive, they're just doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. But they very easily make it to his car and then they're very easily able to drive it out of his property. Even though D 77 is supposed to be like hot on their tail. Yeah. Um, they send Riley out on a mission to try to find a doctor. Right. And I don't know. And instead of just finding a doctor, she has to find the best one on the island. Yeah, um, which uh, he's currently out playing like a golf course. Yeah, so, so she's she, like wandering through people's games people that are and like stuff. teeing up and just about to hit the ball. Uh, she uh, she manages to find the doctor, but he doesn't speak English, right? Because it's Malaysia, so it's ta- Tagalog. Uh, sure. Is, is that the language of Malaysia? That sounds right. Uh, I'm gonna tag along on that. Uh, so no, though no, I guess they, they the Malaysian language is known as Malaysian. However, it is a distant relative of the Tagalog language, okay. which is spoken by the people of the Philippines. Okay. So anyway, not vindicating myself, but just just stating a MacGyver slightly fact. less <laughs> racist than we thought. <laughs> slightly, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, because she's a hacker, she's able to just set up a computer to translate it. Mm-hmm. It's still having some problems translating, right? Like he says. Step, it, he tries to say step by step, but it comes out feet by feet. Feet by feet, and then he says something about uh, they have to do like an inter intercoastal something, and then it says mm. like bicoastal on the screen. Yeah, bicoastal, bicoastal water pump or something. Yeah, like that. water or, pump or plumbing. Yeah. Uh, um, so, but before they can even do anything, the they need to lose their tail in the form of these snipers who are opening fire while they're driving. Right. So MacGyver grabs the uh, car headrest, which he says is not flammable, but proceeds to set it on fire with uh, parking tickets that Ralph has in his uh, glove compartment. Yeah. 
uh, because it starts to smolder and smoke instead of burn. Yeah. And it makes a lot of smoke. Yeah. It's clearly like there's like a canister of smoke gas. Yeah. And then he basically, hoping that it's going the same way, tosses it into the back of a nearby pickup truck mm-hmm. so that the smoke screen will keep moving and they can just turn off the road and and basically and ditch them in the smoke screen. Yeah. Because they need to perform surgery on Ralph right away. But before they get to the surgery, they do something else. Oh. Which is uh, this bizarre thing that he does where the guy's like, I can't breathe. Like, my lungs are filling up. Oh, yeah. And MacGyver gets into the back seat. He rips this paneling out of the door. Mm -hmm. He takes the electrical tape that's wrapped around the wires of the inside of the door. And then he takes out his driver's license. And then he somehow determines that it's going to make it easier to breathe to just tape his driver's license over the bullet hole. Yeah. I do not understand the physics of what was happening there. I, I feel like I definitely missed something. I, I, get, I guess what it's supposed to be is it's a seal of some kind. Yeah. Here, here in, in Three Kings... When Mark Wahlberg gets shot in the chest, they actually put like a, pump. a valve, yeah, a yeah, valve that, that he they can, can open turn and close. and close, and that makes sense to me. But but just having like a card that's just flopping out, yeah. Like if he didn't tape it on the bottom, yeah, so and it's not, not going to hold the pressure. Exactly, like, it's like there's he need he would need to be like holding it constantly to his chest if he's trying to yeah. avoid having the pressure build up. Yeah. But instead, he just tape he just tapes on one side of it and just lets it kind of hang over this guy's bullet hole, and it does it wouldn't affect the pressure of the wound at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then they they need to perform the surgery, and so they're trying to get on the phone with this doctor. And what better place to conduct a telephone conversation than in the bottom floor of a parking structure? Mm-hmm. Perfect. And uh, and he basically tells them, "Here's what you're going to need to do," and then they say, "Well." Uh, okay, we're going to get him to you. Where can we find you? And he says, no, you need to do this in the next four minutes or he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And so they decide, all right, I guess we have to... And by now, he's he's gone unconscious. He like yeah. started drooling all over himself and passed out. And so they sterilize the back of the car, which I don't know how necessary that was. It looked like a brand new car anyway. Yeah, but uh, they're using... A, apparently, like he's a germaphobe, so he's got bottles and bottles all over of the hand place. sanitizer. Yeah. MacGyver has to uh, make an incision in his uh, ribs, so he hand sanitizes the knife. Yeah. Um, and then uh, cuts into, him, and then they have between to, the fourth and fifth rib. Yeah, and then they have to spread the ribs apart. Or third and fourth. It was fourth and fifth. Okay. Uh, I'll find out when I'm performing the surgery on someone. Oh, <laughs> okay. just one rib off. <laughs> um, but then. Then she uh, Riley's on the phone with them and says, "Okay, you have to make an incision between the let's say fourth and fifth rib." He makes the incision and then she says, "Okay, this part's going to be a little harder. You need to separate the ribs, yeah, to get in there and actually do what we're talking about." And so <laughs> he pulls out the jack for the car, mm-hmm. which I just expected him to just jam it in there, yeah, <laughs> just, just like crank, crank, get crank. right in there. But um, he basically takes some more like hard wires that he you know, Purell's and wraps around the mm-hmm. thing so that the, he has a, a different teeth to use on the jack. Right. To basically plug it into the incision and separate them in a smaller, right, right, right. A smaller width than the full jack fitting into the guy's chest. Now he needs to 
pump out the fluid that's filling up his chest. And this is the best part of the episode, yeah, and maybe this whole series so far. Um, yeah, he takes the the tubing from the 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 um, wiper fluid mm-hmm. and basically uses the, like the the same pump that would draw the liquid from the wiper fluid to pump this blood out of this yeah. cavity in his in his chest. And so he basically, once he dips the tube into the incision, he tells Jack to turn on the windshield wipers, <laughs> and they're just squirting this guy's blood all over the front of the car, and it's pulling the blood out of the wound, but yeah. it's just so brilliant, and also, like, macabre. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Jack's sitting in the front seat, like, oh, God, like, just watching all this blood spread over the windshield, and the wipers are just smearing it all yeah, over the place. Yeah, around. Like, that, that just seems, that honestly, like... It would be dark for Gravity Falls, but I believe that a person who wrote an episode of Gravity Falls wrote this. Yeah, yeah. This seems like a thing, but um, uh, it was great. It was a really, really awesome MacGyverism, and definitely the best one we've had from Lucas Till's MacGyver so far. Um, and as they're walking away from the car, uh, Ralph is like, what about my car? We can't we can't just leave her here. She's my baby. He's like, I don't think we could make your car worth any more, any less. <laughs> Because by now they've he've pulled all the wires out of all the doors. Set sit set, set seats on fire. Yeah. There's there's interior smoke damage. And the windshield is covered in blood. <laughs> and the windshield pump system is full of blood. Mm-hmm. Which once it coagulates is going to be a pain to get out of there. Yeah. Trust me. Uh, and of course at this moment the snipers have found them. Right. Because because of the plot. Um, because plot. Yep. So now they run to an elevator. And now they're in some kind of building where apparently Riley is already there and Riley hacked into the building and found out that they were doing shady deals. I feel like she just pulled up like a random PDF that she had on her desktop and was like, hey, I have proof that your company is doing something illegal. Go get your boss. And the receptionist is like, uh, okay. okay." And then she leads the counter to get the boss. I feel like she could have just said like, hey – Get out of this room. Yeah, because the receptionist being there would not have affected their plan. Yeah. Because... Like, they could have walked past her. Yeah. Because because uh, they, they just proceed to wander around the offices anyway. Yeah. Uh, the, the next phase of the plan is to fake Ralph's death. And to do that, MacGyver uh, puts together a syringe using a ballpoint pen and some kind of, like, a... Some kind of like rubber container. Um, I couldn't quite tell what it was. It's like a little bit of a some kind of bladder that he's using. It's, he basically makes a turkey baster. Yeah. Um, that has a using the the the, the pinball point of the pen. Yeah. As the injector, which he sharpens with a file, and then he fills the 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 baster portion of it with um, crunched up medicine from. That he found in like a corner office desk. Yeah, beta blockers. That he said they to, were to lower the blood pressure to zero. Uh, he basically says that he determined this medicine would be in the desk because one in three people has blood pressure problems, and that what what person is more likely to have blood pressure problems than someone with a corner office in an yeah, expensive and- business? So, uh, so he's able to find the pills and crushes them up to make what he needs to basically knock this guy out to knock Ralph unconscious and to appear dead. Yeah. So they take him out to a public place and before they send him out, Ralph gives like another heartwarming speech 
about how he's going to turn his life around. Yeah, and and, and then he needs to talk to his mom. It's like you got you can't you can't not talk to your family. And like of course this is hitting MacGyver right uh, a little hard because of because the, they've been covering his daddy issues for the whole show so far. Yeah, um, and and just before he passes out, he tells them where where he put the dummy corporation. Right. That, Which is somewhere in Miami, Florida, under a limited liability corporation. Yeah. And then he, he passes out, falls to the ground, uh, unconscious to us, but dead to everyone else. Yeah. But unfortunately, while their next phase of the plan is just to wait in the van, the coroner van. And just intercept the body yeah. dressed as the coroner. They, uh, they're watching in the rear view as the body is intercepted by D-77. Division 77. Um, and yeah, they, they just blatantly, like, in the public eye, pay a cop a bunch of money, take the body, and just fold it into the trunk of a mm-hmm. car and drive off with it, which th- they would never do in front of people. Yeah. Like, they would have said, like, you put it in the coroner's van, and here's the address you're taking this body yeah. to. Um, the plan for D77 is to cut off the head right. of Ralph. Which is a pretty common thing, I think, in, like, gang underworlds. Like, you can bring back any part of a body, and it's not proof that the person died. Yeah. The only way to prove that a person died is to deliver a head. Mm-hmm. See eight heads in a duffel bag. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what was uh, the movie or show where the guy was always collecting fingers. Like, he, he, he used people's fingers as proof. He was always, like, chopping their fingers off. I don't know. God, what was that? Oh, anyway, it'll come to me. Oh, it was me! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to be talking about that. Uh, no, but it was really gruesome. Like, yeah, he... My attorney advised me not to bring this up. Uh, yeah, he was always... God, I can't remember. Oh, you know what it was? It was Man in the High Castle. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I still haven't I, watched I any of that. just remembered that's what it was. Like, he... This, the, this undercover, like, guy who would find... Um, looking for the underground people and he has a list of all their people and then their fingerprints yeah and to prove and so he that just he just collects killed, fingers yeah he just collects their fingers to prove that he killed them yeah uh kind of curious where that show goes but uh the first season was okay yeah uh so they're they're planning to cut off his head and so their plan now is that they need to stop them obviously yeah MacGyver and Jack and Riley have to somehow prevent this from happening so they are basically pull up in a van behind the car that had Ralph in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting in the alleyway, and Jack says, come on, there's only two of them. Like, we can can't we just go in there and, and beat up two of them? And then, like, six dudes come out. One mm-hmm. of them's carrying a hacksaw. And, and one is giant. Yeah, and one of, yeah, one of them is, like, the big show. And they pull the body out of the trunk and walk it into the building. And then they start talking about, okay, well... The logistics of this. Well, yeah. Mac, you could take two and then... Leave six it's, for it's, me. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to work out. Uh, MacGyver decides to... Uh, take them all on. He's going to take them all on and he's going to gas them with... He's got a, he found a series of propane tanks outside. Right. And he makes some uh, dumpster-dived gas masks. Right. Very similar to the ones uh, in uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, spoiler alert, in 10 Cloverfield Lane... They gas make, masks make an appearance. Yeah, there's a gas mask. Well, it, it deals with a guy with an underground bunker. He's going to have gas masks. Yeah. But, um, did you see it? Yeah, I did. I liked I, it. I, I yeah. did like it. 
I don't think it was necessary to connect it to the Cloverfield. I, and I still argue that it really isn't. <laughs> I think it kind of ruins the movie that you that it's not ambiguous at the end. Yeah. But um, but I won't say which side it lands on. Yeah. Um, even though I already did. Um, so he goes into this dumpster and he digs out two liter bottles mm-hmm. that serve as the face of the mask for right. seeing through. Um, and then uh, just like a hunk of leather to be like the strap around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I can't remember what he uses for, for filters. Yeah. But uh, he finds something. He's yeah. MacGyver. He finds something. Snotty tissue. <laughs> it forms a membrane. It keeps all the gas out. Uh, and then he rigs up all these tanks onto a shopping cart. Mm-hmm. And when they he, he wheels it into the room, and the moment it impacts the wall, it breaks all the valves off the tanks, and gas just fills the room. Uh, including filling the lungs of Ralph, the guy they're trying to save, yeah. who cannot... Who's unconscious right now yeah. and is relying on his medulla oblongata to keep him alive. Uh, so while the guys are being gassed, that's when Jack and Mac make their way in and are a little bit more easily able to fight since the bad guys are busy coughing and having no oxygen in their bloodstream in which to operate their muscles. Yeah. Uh, Everybody goes down pretty easy except for the big show. Yeah. And, and uh, one guy goes outside and Riley's waiting for him. Yeah. And she just one hand, one arm swings this big old piece of pipe. Yeah. Like. Like the thief of friggin' Budapest. Yeah. Like, oh my God. It, like, I thought for sure she was going to do like a two-handed like golf club swing or baseball bat swing. But she just one hands it yeah and knocks this guy completely out it was pretty awesome yeah um and then he vanishes because apparently he was a vampire or something <laughs> yeah like buffy the vampire slayer rules when you kill he just a vampire dusted. just turned into dust uh macgyver gets his uh has to put his mask on ralph because the gas is being he they haven't been able to, to revive him yet right so he's more concerned about ralph's breathing since he has no control over it and then while jack is still fighting off the big dude um, MacGyver suddenly gets tackled from behind mm-hmm. by someone, and now MacGyver's not wearing the mask, so he already couldn't breathe. And then this guy's choking him, which is like double can't breathe. Yeah, and uh, so they they have injected him now. At this point, they're just waiting for the antidote to take effect. And you know, MacGyver is suffocating. Finally, manages to get the upper hand and carries Ralph out. Yeah, over his shoulder. Um. And when they get out, and and Jack is able to take out the big guy, yeah, somehow, yeah. I, I think I, th- I think most most of it was the gas, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that's this is where we noticed that the body was gone. Like he, Riley, yeah, moved they go, the body. They, they pull, yeah, they pull Ralph outside, and we get a wide shot of this alleyway, and the body that Riley knocked unconscious is gone. Yeah. So either she carried it herself, or like. Maybe she just tossed it in the dumpster that she they dug all this stuff out, out of. Away. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It, it's a golden triangle situation where she just keeps hiding the bodies and waiting yeah. for the next one to come out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and when that they... That would co- make sense, actually. Maybe she drug the body around the corner so that if another person came out, he wouldn't be suspicious immediately. Yeah. Because she is ready to kill MacGyver as soon as he comes yeah, out with yeah. Ralph over his shoulder. She, like, swings the pipe and, like, stops just short of, like, clipping them both in the head. Um... But they lay him out on the ground, and they're like, oh, no. He's not revived. Like, he should be yeah. awake by now. What are we going to do? And then he starts snoring. And yeah. And like, oh, he's alive. He's just asleep. He's just a fat piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm summarizing what, yeah, the, what yeah, they were exactly. all feeling. Uh, and uh, from there, we cut to the Act 5 roundup, even though uh, this has all been Act 5 so far. Yeah. And uh, basically, Ralph is going to go into witness protection, and he has no more money. They, they took all his money, right. but he's alive, and they're going to protect him while he gives testimony against D77. Yeah. He There's a little bit of a button where he tries to steal Jack's, Jack's wallet. wallet. And he calls it seed money, like he's going to do a startup yeah. with like 40 bucks. And Jack offers him 20 if he can punch him in the face. Yeah. And then everyone starts throwing in money on that. Yeah. Uh, back at MacGyver's place, he is now actually fully doing the mocap yeah. for Bozer's uh, movie. Yeah, which is somehow being rendered in real time on a cell phone. Yep. <laughs> and uh, when when you see it, it's just Lucas Till with a green face and then... This, Photoshop stretches of like boils on his face. Yeah, well, those are where the balls are. It's yeah. like it's a stretch to cover the mocap yeah, balls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack and MacGyver sit on a pair of Adirondack chairs. MacGyver again drinking, and a fire again burning in the middle of their living room. Yeah, with no clear ventilation. Yeah, maybe it's a holographic fire. It's not real. Yeah, he just rigged it up. See, a lot of people don't realize this. But if you dump a bunch of Tamagotchis into a bucket, it looks like holographic fire. <laughs> I didn't understand that. Well, just throw another Samsung Galaxy Note 7 in there. <laughs> It'll warm us up. Oh, man. I want him to use a Samsung Note 7 as a bomb in an episode. <laughs> That'd be, be like reverse the ad placement. be amazing. <laughs> Apple's like, hey, we'll give you this much money if you use a Note 7 as a bomb. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, Jack is telling MacGyver that he should call his dad. Yeah. That, you know, it's time. And he says, well, you know what? I'm just going to write him a letter. And he says, you know, it's 2016, right? And he's like, yeah, but my dad doesn't. Yeah. Because his he's dad dead? Doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't read emails. Um, or his dad is Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. Also, uh, he's writing a letter on a sketchbook page. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, 14 have, by 15 it's not ruled yeah it's a 14 by 15 sheet of paper it's not like the quality of paper that you usually put a letter on yeah and it's not the right color it's not a it's not an appealing color to read text on yeah it's designed for sketching well he's a macgyver he's not he's using what he has with him yeah. he doesn't have college ruled paper this is the only pen i could reach from here i had to convince myself that what i wrote ain't funny <laughs> <laughs> and they're drinking again. Yeah, they're drinking again. I also was thinking about you made a joke that uh, I can't remember quite how you put it, but it was like, "Dear Dad, please make an appearance on the show. Uh, <laughs> please reconsider your <laughs> your position. Your position about not appearing on this reboot." Um, I was thinking of actually the Mitch Hedberg already making a Mitch Hedberg joke just a few seconds ago. Was he was like, "I was writing a letter to my dad." I wanted to say I really, but I accidentally wrote rarely, so I had to I had to continue on with that. It says I rarely drive steamboats. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you didn't know that about me, Dad. Quit trying to make me the steamboat operator that you always wished you were. <laughs> and it says the letter took a dark turn. <laughs> I was named after my dad, way after my dad. <laughs> Chadberg is wonderful. <laughs> I miss that man so much. Yeah. 
And that's it for this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, Not bad. Yeah. Uh, it has a lot of good moments. There are actually moments that I laughed. Yeah. Like, the banter between Jack and Ralph is actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, especially when they're in the car and he says, shut up. He says, you shut up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. There were, there were a couple of moments. Um, uh, I mean, we didn't mention some of the supporting cast. It, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, Patricia's there again, but not really providing anything. Yeah. She's just kind of other than like being in their ears and being like, hold on. What did you say? Someone's dead. That's not supposed to be dead. Oh, someone got shot. Oh no. He got, he got shot in the shoulder. Oh, he got shot in the shoulder. Well, that's okay. Well, part of his shoulder, that's kind of his chest. Yeah. Uh, And I like uh, Jack's like, oh, hey, Patty, it's Jack. Yeah, we got to (laughs) go. Yeah, he was like, like, "Uh uh-oh. And she's like, why did he say "Uh uh-oh? No, he said, go, go. Um, We got to go. Nice talking to you, Patty. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so there were a couple of good lines. Yeah. Um, But she's just kind of a sounding board for them. mm Mm-hmm. I, I just feel that everything on the show is done on the cheap. Everything. The, yeah. The closest thing to character development we've gotten for Patricia was her boxing mm-hmm. while other people were working in another country. Yeah. Which isn't even really that much. It's just that she boxes. Yeah. Like, but it's something. Yeah. Um, we get, Even we get character development for Jack, talking to his dad's grave. Like, that's his, like, routine. I feel like there's even more for Riley than there is for Patricia. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, overall then, yeah, this is probably the better of the episodes. Yeah. But the thing with with T-77 was very anticlimactic. We don't even really have a recognizable bad guy. Like, yeah. You it, could show me a picture of everyone who they punched in this episode, and I wouldn't recognize one of them. Because they never, like, none of them have lines. No mm-hmm. bad guys say any words nope. in this whole episode. I, I don't get it. Like, whether... I get it, like they're the bad guys. That's all. But they're I, I guess but they're literally a hundred percent henchmen. Yeah, um, the the sniper, the guy who played the sniper, is like the only one who's credited on. Well, I mean, before on IMDb. Yeah, I'm sure the credits have we, we because we're watching these live. We're, we're limited to what's on IMDb now before the show airs. Yeah, which are usually the people who are involved. Yeah, uh, putting stuff on their IMDb page. There was very limited credits for this one, but. I see now that it's probably because there were not very many characters to this episode. Yeah. Uh, like the sniper is a, is actually a stuntman. Right. Yeah. yeah and I saw and that. almost all of his characters are guy number three. Or terrorists. So, yeah. Or, terrorist yeah. number two. Yeah. Um, probably because he's just doing stunts for them getting shot and falling off of things. Yeah. Because he knows how to shoot a gun right. Yeah. Or get shot. And uh, and the guy who played the doctor uh is a is a he's actually just a graphic he's not just a graphic designer i didn't mean to put it that way um he's a mere graphic designer he he is a lowly somalian graphic designer uh no uh uh he's not usually an actor is what i was trying to get at he's a graphic designer and photographer um and the receptionist some of his work includes the green monster that Lucas Silva's turned into at the end of this episode god i hope not no i'm i guarantee you like an intern did that because it just looks so bad. Yeah. And it's like, all right, let's see how that shot looked. Oh, this is a still frame. Can you can you advance it one frame? Perfect. No, no. All the time between when we shot it and now, it was rendering this one frame because this is like Shrek quality. Yeah. Rendering. Uh, and the receptionist, uh, the biggest thing that I saw from her, she was a character in uh, Mae Whitman's uh, The Duff. Oh, okay. Um, 
which I still have yet to see. As much I haven't as I seen love it either, but Mae I love Whitman. Mae Whitman. Yeah, yeah, I, no. Cool. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this though. As much as I love Mae Whitman, I'm not a fan of her IMDb profile pic. What um, is it? It's just a weird close up of her face, and she's and it's not a bad picture. I just think it's bizarre for an IMDb profile picture. Like it's it didn't like, come uh, from anything. It's her? like it's like a headshot. Yeah. Um, is it like a joke about like? Is it purposely bland? Because no. she was supposed to play like a no no she's like in makeup and everything yeah. like that it, it, I don't know I it just it's just it's just I I don't know I feel it doesn't like, feel representative of her yeah um, I would like you know what because because she's not smiling yeah and and that upsets me I want to see my Whitman smiling yeah I want her to be happy she's happy most of the time when you hear her interviews and stuff yeah that's my thing yeah that's why I don't like it she's not smiling the show's doing really well ratings wise. It won both nights, the first week and second week. What Giver. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, for its time slot amongst the network channels. That's but actually really impressive. It's up against like non-action, non That's true. Stuff. And it is, it is it's Friday, a Friday night. Yeah, which is a weird time slot anyway. But it's doing really well. I think it honestly has a pretty decent chance of getting picked up. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. It's not that I'm not happy. It's just... Um, I, How I just, bad are these shows that we're not watching? <laughs> I, I I feel like there yeah there, there's a definitely definitely a need to increase the level of quality of the production. Yeah, there's room for improvement. Yeah, you're you're getting better with the characters and better with the banter. And maybe this is a shoestring situation. Yeah, where it's just like. Okay, you can have a MacGyver show, but you're only getting this much per episode. Mm-hmm. And then once they turn it into decent ratings every week, then it'll be like next time they're like, okay, now you can actually step this up. Now we're not going to reuse like the same room and the same bowl of paper clips for like five Forever. minutes of every episode. Um, but yeah. I mean, and yeah, so you know, we said this episode is probably one of the better ones of yeah. the three. I think David Slack had some pretty cool MacGyverisms. Um, you know, already in three episodes, we've seen a lot of, uh, car stuff, mm-hmm. like taking cars apart. Yeah. Well, they, they have so many different parts. Yeah. I mean, you could, there's, there's like a thousand uses. Um, your friend, uh, I, I don't know if you should, should you say his name. Oh, well, sure. uh, oh, 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 your, your friend who's here. Um, oh yeah. My, you can say his okay, name. Andy. My, yeah. My um, friend, my friend, Andy, um, he, he brought up a, a show that I'm a, I was a big fan of was burn notice. Which was also a show of MacGyverism. I have not seen an episode of that show, which is crazy because it has Bruce Campbell on it. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, but it, but it's also the same setup. It's 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 the younger guy, the older agent, and the girl, and they go out and they solve problems, and he makes things out of junk and assumes identities. But I feel like the level of quality between the two shows are light years apart, even though. The premises are both really simple, very few locations. And Burn Notice was a cable show. Yeah. And this is a network television show. Like, this should be paying hand over fist for yeah. these episodes to look nice. So, I, I don't know what it was that, about Burn Notice that made it so much better. I mean, obviously, it was better writing, I think, too. Um, but uh, he, he made an a-, a very accurate comparison. Um, and uh, it made me think of how could this show be more like Burn Notice? Yeah. And then I would really like it. <laughs> yeah. But for right now, it's the MacGyver reboot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's everything we have to say about this episode. Yeah. Which, uh, need I remind the listeners, is called All. All. A-W-L, which is a thing used to poke holes in leather 
<laughs> That's what this episode I mean, was called. I, I suppose I suppose you could use it for other things. Nothing that has anything to do with this episode. Yeah, there's there were. I, f- I honestly feel bad for the writers because there's no way that they were like, yeah, my episode's called A W L. Mm-hmm. Like what? Why? Why is it called that? Change the name Division Seventy Seven to like the something Western Liberation or something yeah, like that. Yeah, AWL. Yeah, like have it be a, a pun on what's happening in the episode if you're going to call all the episodes uh, pieces of Swiss Army knives. Yeah. But if that's not the like, I just don't. I don't get this. I, what is next week? Wire cutter. Wire cutters. Okay. At least Joe Dantes has a semi-cool name for his episode. Mm-hmm. I hope he found a way to factor wire cutters into the show. Yeah. But I almost feel like he would be cautioned against it by the showrunners. Like, no, no, no. We haven't done that so far, so don't use don't wire do cutters it. in the episode. We're being ironic about it. It's because not ironic. It's just not like irony. misunderstanding what irony means. <laughs> do, you, do you know what irony means? Um, also, how many episodes are there in the season? Because there's not 13 tools on a Swiss Army knife. Well, have you seen the bigger ones? The ones, guess, that like, yeah. the ones that are like two inches thick? They're going thick. by one of the massive ones? Yeah. All right. Then we are going to have a like bottle pounds. opener episode. <laughs> Is that the one where they have like an uh, an intervention for MacGyver and he finally yeah. stops drinking? <laughs> they got everything on those things now. I think I was joking with someone on Twitter because they were, they were talking to us about uh, the can opener episode. And I said, I think the opening gambit for the can opener episode should take place at the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> so it's like a can opener. But there's no way they're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you that right now. Um, even if they did, it would be like some sound-alike festival. They, they, they don't, I don't think they can get yeah, the rights yeah. to can for an opening gambit, for a 45-second opening nope. gambit. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for all. That's all for all. Yep. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Twitter, at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're covering Reboot Season 1, Episode 4, Wire Cutters, directed by Joe Dante. Yes. And featuring Penny Parker. Uh, it's going to be great. showing up in the episode. I so think it's going to be great. That's, that's an exciting twist. Um, the writing took a step up this week, so uh, let's hope it takes another step up next week. Um, at the very least, I'm just excited to see what Joe Dante does with the show. So. Mm-hmm. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.